if you truly believe that you can provide a value, then it doesn't matter. You have to conquer your fears. Hey friend, welcome to the second episode of the Creator Maker Life podcast, and I am your host, Roxine Key. In this podcast, I attempt to unearth the stories behind the people who tell our favorite stories online. This means that I interview our favorite content creators, influencers, and brand founders to figure out why they do what they do and how they do what they do. My hope is that by the end of each episode, you'll have discovered practical lessons, strategies, and mindsets that you can apply to your own life and work. And today's guest is Kareem Tarek. He is the owner of Bspark, that is a web development agency specializing in optimizing Shopify Plus stores for web conversions. He is a self-taught web designer and web developer and has been doing this type of work since 2000. So he knows his stuff. And if you don't know what Shopify Plus is or what web conversions are, we'll be digging into that in this interview. So in this interview, you'll be learning why it's not just about being a good developer or not being good at just one thing. You have to learn to be at the intersection of a lot of different things to succeed in the current economy. We also talk about how he went from being a developer who wanted to do everything to a developer who just wanted to focus on just Shopify Plus and helping them get better conversions. We also talk about a lot of other issues that creatives face in general, like imposter syndrome, building confidence that you can actually help your clients succeed, and understanding the wants versus the needs of a client when they come to you with a specific ask. So we dig into a lot of these kinds of things here. And even if you're not a developer or a web designer, I'm pretty sure you'll learn a lot of the right mindsets on what it takes to succeed when you work for yourself in this episode. Um, just a couple of caveats. Uh, there were some pops and clicks from my end because I was not using my nice uh, ATR2100 mic for this episode yet because I didn't have it yet. So that was not a plug, but I just love this mic. Didn't have it at that time. Sorry about the audio quality. And we also get a little bit deeper into the weeds of e-commerce because that is something that we share in our background. I used to work for a Shopify app as a product marketer. So we get into that. Um, it's going to be at the end of the episode, though, so feel free to skip it over once we get to that point. And that is it. I hope you enjoy this episode with Shopify Plus web developer Kareem Tarek. Kareem, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, thanks for being here. Uh, really thankful. Um, I know you have to maybe pick up your kid later, so thankful that you're you've st spotted this time um, to do this interview right now. Uh, yeah, so let's jump in and guess the best place to start as any would be childhood. <laughs> um, okay. Might be a long time ago, but um, tell me a story about when you were a kid and it was something that you did or something that happened that kind of was an early sign that you do what you're doing today? Well, that's, uh, that's a tough one uh, because b back in the day, there was no web or internet or things like that. So I, I'm, uh, I'm kind of old school. Uh, but um, like one thing I, I used to kind of 
play with uh, like army toys and things like that and stage like battlefields and things like that. So I think it's in a way it's uh, like my kind of creative, uh, my creative side started to flourish back then, I would say. And then when I, um, like when the internet became a thing, I, uh, I discovered Photoshop. And uh, mm. then I started to play around with Photoshop. And that's how, uh, how I got into what, I, what I'm doing right now. If you don't mind me asking, um, around what year did you kind of get into Photoshop? I, mean, uh, I know this will date you, but yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, that's okay. I don't remember exactly. It, it, I started with Photoshop. It was Photoshop 5. Uh, I'd say Photoshop it was, uh, I'm not sure, maybe 1999 or 2000, something like that. So about 10 years ago. That's not that long ago. It's, it's about <laughs> 19 years ago. 19 years ago. Oh, right. It's 20. I can't even count. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's weird that you mentioned Photoshop or really, I don't know, cool and weird. Because um, I found from your LinkedIn profile um, when I was doing my research for this podcast that you're a Ruby on Rails developer, um, that you've been running your own kind of web development agency for two to three years now. Um, so you actually had your start in more of the design kind of thing? Correct, correct. Uh, like I studied, I studied computer engineering, but I, I, ju- I loved web design, uh, but I didn't get a formal education. So when I started my career, I wanted to work as a web designer. But uh, the only kind of opportunity I got to work as as a developer, so I I took it. Uh, down the line, I had the opportunity to to do some uh, some web design, but uh, my official title was always uh, a web developer. Um, uh, but yeah, I it's it's funny. I wanted to to be a designer, but now I'm a coder. Yeah, that's fine. Hmm. Could you um, tell me a little bit more about that? Um, you mentioned you never actually went to school for designer development, or you didn't do no, I a didn't. university degree at all. No, I. Uh, so I studied. I studied uh, computer engineering, uh, but I meant I oh, never. Yes, I never went to school uh, to study web design or design in general. But mm, I okay, wanted. So it was the designer. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so then you went to work after school for was it ten years? Uh, I I think a bit more. So I started my professional career in uh, two thousand seven. So mm-hmm. now it's uh, it's about let's say eleven or twelve years. Uh, yeah. So you started your career um ten twelve years, and then how did you go from there to where you are now? Um. Walk us through it. At, at a web agency in Dubai. And then I uh, I kept kind of moving from an agency to another. Then I, uh, for a couple of years, I worked with, uh, as a webmaster with uh, Doctors Without Borders in Abu Dhabi. Mm. Uh, yeah. And then that actually was my last job there in, uh, in the Middle East. Then I, uh, then I moved to Canada and... Uh, I wanted to to work as a project manager, but uh, uh, I didn't get the opportunity. I even did study at McGill University, but um, mm-hmm. because I was back then living in Montreal and uh, 
it's uh, French speaking, so I, I I couldn't get an opportunity to work as a project manager. So I I went back to my roots and I worked as a front end developer for uh, for a couple of years, and then I, I started studying uh, Ruby on Rails at an online bootcamp. That was 2014. Then, since then, I have worked in a couple of startups uh, as a Ruby on Rails developer. Things didn't work out nicely with my last employer. Things ended up around uh, January uh, 2017. Mm-hmm. So since then, like I took a couple of months uh, as a break. Then I started to do my own thing. Yeah, and here I am now. And uh, I think you mentioned before uh, when we were talking that in year one, things were kind of bad, um, but then things have started to get better. Um, could you walk us through a little bit about those early years? Um, what was it like to start it after your two-month break? Sure. So when I started, I wanted to do everything or anything related to uh, to web development, right? I was a, a generic web developer. That didn't work out. I I had a really tough time uh, getting uh, leads. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was how I'm presenting myself, or I'm not sure. So it was nobody was interested in a guy that does everything. So uh, I started reaching out to local marketing agency and uh, development agency, and one guy told me you need to kind of. Even though he, I didn't get any work from that guy, but he told he gave me a very good advice. He told me you need to to uh, specialize, to pick something and focus on that thing, and then uh, because people like professionals that uh, spe- specialize in a platform or a technology or things like that. I had some experience with uh, with with Shopify. The last company I worked with, uh, worked with they, uh, they have like um, an app on Shopify App Store. So mm-hmm. I've been exposed to the, to the API, to the Shopify admin. So I've been familiar with it. I, I, I got in touch with, um, with a local agency, a local Shopify agency, and they wanted some Shopify work done. So I told them I can do it. And that's how I think the story be, uh, began. Like I started to focus uh, on Shopify. Like a buddy of mine, we were in the same online bootcamp a couple of years back. He told me there is a like an online platform, like a free a freelance platform, only does Shopify uh, work, right? So he hooked mm-hmm. me up with the owner, and I got into that site. There's some kind of vetting process. You need to kind of uh, prove that you know your stuff and things like that and uh, being on that platform with with the fact that I got in touch with that local agency that needed some Shopify work that's how I got hooked with uh, Shopify and uh, started my uh, Shopify career so far mm, so you kind of got pulled into the Shopify ecosystem <laughs> correct yeah I think um, I would say most of the people I meet on the street, they probably do something with Shopify in <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, it's a growing yeah, business. You, yeah, they're huge now. Um, and in your website, you mentioned that you help Shopify merchants um, turn their stores into conversion powerhouses. Uh, could you tell me a little bit more about how you 
figured you wanted to differentiate yourself in that way? Um, like, how did you know that that was a viable kind of positioning that there would be clients there? I didn't really, but uh, conversion is a big deal for uh, for all merchants, whether they are on Shopify or any other platform. So it's kind of like I was looking for what might interest merchants to work with me, uh, and this is how I came up with uh, with that I can help with conversion. It's not like I'm I'm faking it; it's like I'm highlighting it uh, to mm-hmm. be kind of. Uh, out there uh, and very obvious yeah that's that's the idea because i think conversion it's uh, at the top of the list for any merchant uh, okay, i see and um so i was wondering you mentioned that it's not you mentioned something about it's not about faking it um and i think that's something that resonates with me where i talk to a client and they have a problem that i'm not the best in the world at solving yeah I know a little bit about maybe I've read about it or I have a few books in my library on it. Um, but for you, how did you, like, did you feel that way as well? The imposter syndrome of, oh, I'm saying that I'm a conversion kind of web developer, but I'm not really the best conversion web developer in the world. Like, Did you go through that a little bit? Well, I know for a fact that I'm not the best in the world, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you get over that, uh... I guess, is... What I'm asking. It's, uh, I always try to make sure there's a good fit, uh, that I'm providing value to the, to the customer. Uh, if I don't feel that way, if I feel uh, what they need is kind of something I cannot provide, I cannot mm-hmm. accomplish, then, uh, then I, I just decline the project. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's about, do you believe that you can provide a value or not? If you truly believe that you can provide a value, then it doesn't it doesn't matter. You have to uh, to I mean you have to conquer your fears. If if uh, if you are on a <laughs> yeah, call sure. and you, you are hesitant, you are not sure, uh, maybe maybe not, uh, then it it's it's apparent that there is mm-hmm. no good fit here, right? Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, um, you probably didn't start out as a conversion. Um, expert or knowing a lot about conversions for Shopify stores specifically. Um, so when you were starting out, like how did you kind of build that knowledge base? And then after that, building your confidence, because as you mentioned before, like we're not supposed to, and we're not comfortable as um, people who do service work to provide services that we're not that good at. So how did you build that confidence, that knowledge in the beginning? Yeah. The confidence enough that you can like actually help people. Yeah, well, when I started with Shopify, most of my work was only doing development stuff, coding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you work on so many stores, you start uh, understanding how, uh, like, how customers buy from stores and or what prevents them of buying from that store, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so is this specific to um, any industry or any store type, any specific brand, or is it just like all across like any industry? No, I think there is, in general, there is best practices and there is also common sense, right? It doesn't <laughs> matter what you are selling. It's really simple to, to kind of convince uh, the customer to buy from a store. Uh, it's not easy, but it's simple if you follow best practices and you understand at the store, the product they are selling, 
there's some kind of I don't I don't want to say mind tricks, but there's some kind of things that yeah. they motivate uh, the customer to buy, like having uh, reviews uh, on on the on the store, for example. Like some merchants, mm-hmm. they they think it's it's not important, but from my experience, it's really important to have some kind of reviews, some to have mm-hmm. some kind of social proof. Uh, are people yeah, talking sure. about you? On social media, are they sharing a picture of the maybe uh, opening the product or something? Right. I'm saying it comes with experience. Like you build your experience, you you uh, you get familiar with things, then you have the confidence to to provide this kind of service. For sure, I totally agree with that. And um, I actually wanted you to tell me more about um, kind of the things and the patterns that you've seen that merchants tend, like the mistakes that merchants tend to make um, because you mentioned that it's easy. It's common sense, but maybe, maybe it's common sense for you because you're really good at this um, and you've become really good at this um, through experience. But for a lot of people, including me, um, like it's not common sense to us. So could you walk us through uh, the biggest mistakes that you've seen Shopify merchants make when it comes to, um, increasing their convergence and making it better. Sure, I wouldn't say biggest mistakes because I'm uh, not hundred percent sure they are biggest mistakes. Last year, I was working with um, a luxury candy brand. Uh, they wanted to kind of convert. They had lots of visits, but the conversion wasn't that good. One of the problems is their checkout process is really is really complex. So they abandoned uh, the the normal Shopify checkout. The uh, now they have their own way of checking out. They built a private app to take care of checkout uh, because they wanted uh, from their point of view to provide the customer with the best uh, checkout experience. That kind of backfired. It wasn't really convenient. Apparently, they didn't kind of research it very well before kind of implementing it. The, the solution was kind of simple. Just let's get back to the way, the simple way that Shopify handles checkout. Uh, we added a couple of things to kind of to add a little bit of convenience, like delivery date, or do you want uh, a gift message, things like that. And this has been a huge success. Getting back to the way Shopify intended for you to check out, improve their conversion. And instead of having this private app, it hurt the, the bottom line. Would you be able to talk about um, the numbers? Uh, so what they what the numbers were when they were with the checkout app? And if you want to mention the checkout app and call them out, <laughs> that's no, okay too. Uh, um, so the checkout app, it's a private app. It's not on the app store. The numbers okay. were, as far as I remember, is were below 0.5 and they wanted it to get closer to one. I think we, mm-hmm. we got 0.9, 0.85, something like that. And it seems like such a small number, but if you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of um, visitors and traffic, like that number can add up to a lot of sales. Correct. I I read recently that the ideal uh, conversion rate between 1.5 and 3%. Is that only for Shopify no, stores I think or does it apply uh, to um, internet marketing in general? Yeah, in, in e-commerce. Yeah, I think. Got it. Yeah. And I was wondering about that client as well. Um, and this is, we're kind of, pivoting a little bit to talking about your business and how it works. Um, so when they found you and you that you guys were talking, you guys were having conversation about how you can help them, did they know right away that they needed to go back 
to their old checkout process and to nix the app right away? Or did they come to you and say, oh, we need a new website? Like what was their want versus the need that they actually had to get fixed? Well, I think when they reached out, they knew that their checkout has problems. They had pretty good analytics setup. In Google Analytics, they are seeing where they are losing customers and they knew that there's a problem with the, with the checkout. So people uh, actually add products to the cart, but then when they are checking out, there is something happening there. I advised them to, uh, to drop this and instead of investing more money and time into fixing this, I told them, let's get back to what you guys already had. And let's just improve it a little bit to have those extra features like adding a gift message or uh, adding a delivery date. But yeah, when they reached out, they reached out because they they already knew that they they have a problem. Was this after you positioned yourself as a helping Shopify stores become conversion powerhouses? Was that how they found you and that was your message? No. So actually, those guys were referred to me by another customer. They were basically looking for a a good developer. And then when we started to discuss the, the project, they weren't really looking for a guy to improve conversion. They were looking for a good developer. But then end of day, when we kind of finished the work, that kind of improved the conversion rate. And that's what they were looking for. So oh. it's like a side effect of the work I did. So did you know you didn't know about that they actually want to improve conversions? You just thought that they wanted a new website. No, it was it was kind of discussed that improving okay. conversion one of their goals. But again, it's like we need to fix this to be able to fix that, right? I think um, a lot of the times when we talk to clients or when leads come to us consultants um, and freelancers, what happens is they bring us something they want. Um, They want a logo, they want a website, um, but then there's always that underlying business value um, that they really want to fix in the end. Um, And that's kind of when we have to hit on as people who are trying to solve problems and help other people. Um, Yeah, and thanks for sharing that story. And I was... I was wondering, uh, going back to the missed opportunities when it comes to conversions. So you mentioned that um, abandoned cart, uh, the checkout process. Uh, were there any other specific projects that came to mind um, where clients had missed opportunities and you got to help them fix those opportunities and get them back? Like one of the things now for older, especially for older stores, their mobile pages, especially product page and cart, they are not optimized for mobile because they are kind of outdated. They bought this, the theme a few years ago. And so that's one of the things that because now almost more than 50% of the, of the traffic, they're using mobile, right? So if, if the page is not optimized for a, a good user experience, it, it won't convert. Like nobody is going to buy from you if, you're, if they are having hard time uh, browsing your uh, product page and adding things to cart. So one of the, the simple optimizations I do nowadays is having like a fixed add to cart button. This this improve, improves conversion. Now also for uh, Shopify did recently something called dynamic pay. If you are using mobile and you can you can basically buy a, buy a product in, in two seconds if you have your, uh, for example, Apple Pay set up. You can buy a product, boom, 
in two seconds and it's there. So the, this kind of thing is kind of makes it uh, easy for for customer to check out. And I think when you make the shopping experience easy and simple, that kind of improves uh, the bottom line in end of the day. What you mentioned was decreasing the steps. Correct. Um, yeah. Making things a lot more obvious. Yeah. And just keeping things simple, right? Um, with that, a bit with the checkout um, checkout app, it just keeping things simple. And Shopify kind of rewards you for staying within the ecosystem in that way. Yes, I guess. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Now uh, we kind of want to talk. I kind of want to talk more about um, your business. Um, like, what's the biggest struggle you have in your own personal business right now? Because as a consultant, you help other people their business, um, but that doesn't mean you don't have problems in your own. Uh, would you mind sharing with us a little bit more about your own business, uh, what you're struggling Sure. With? Okay, so my struggle now is different than when I started. Now I think my main struggle is getting quality leads. It's, it's kind of hard uh, to get leads if you're not kind of putting the time and effort to, to get those leads. It's another job by itself. So what happens is you are busy with a project and your head's down and then you are done, boom. But you realize, oh, I don't have work now. I need to go out mm-hmm. and look for another uh, project, right? So I think mainly that's my main problem. Uh, at the moment, finding a quality leads or have a, a continuous flow of quality leads. Because even if you, you are getting quality leads, that doesn't mean they will end up as uh, clients end of day, right? And then kind of like with Shopify e-commerce websites, um, our leads to customers also have has a conversion ratio. Yeah, correct. <laughs> not every, it's not 100%. Correct. Um, you mentioned that in the beginning, uh, you had a different set of problems versus right now where your problem is finding and landing quality leads. Um, when did you realize that this was your problem now, that your problem is now landing the leads versus things that you were struggling with when you were in the beginning? I think when I when I started, I kind of reached out to so many people and I sent so many emails to lots of people. Uh, and that kind of generated mo- momentum for me. Like, uh, mm-hmm. And I was always reaching out to local agencies and things like that. But the time I kind of stopped doing that, <laughs> I think that's the main problem. Because it's, uh, I kind of, I started to feel that's not the target persona I'm look, uh, I'm, I'm going after. Working with low, with agencies, end of day, you are subcontracting, and they mm-hmm. give you the work. You, you don't get to show your face when the work is done. You, you don't get to get credit on the work you did, right? I started mm-hmm. moving away from this kind of projects, and maybe that's why I'm kind of thinking that's my 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 current problem is having quality leads that are not agencies. So and you mentioned you were moving away from that. What were, what are some specific steps that you're taking to get more quality leads? That's a good question. Uh, as of now, I got a I got a business uh, business coach. <laughs> I was, uh, I'm meeting him once a month. Hey, he tells me what I need to do to be able to get leads and close sales and things like that. So far, I'm not doing my homework very well. So <laughs> so I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> you know, you kind of know the steps that you need to do to be able to, to get those leads. Yes. But uh, 
Especially if you are busy, then you don't really care about getting those leads because you already have work. But I mm-hmm. think soon I'll start getting a bit more active uh, to get those leads. Once you stop having work. Yeah. Now, um, I guess the last question I have before we get into some of my rapid fire questions, totally ripping off of Tim Ferriss and everyone <laughs> else. But <laughs> my last question is, in the future, if you did get quality leads um, and they kind of found you and you didn't have to find them, what does that look like for you? Uh, that's a good question. In the in the past, my most successful p- projects were with like uh, brands. They build or sell their own stuff, right? Like, for example, mm-hmm. that, that uh, luxury candy store, they do their own candies that they sell so they are not a reseller or things like that mm-hmm. and um, also like uh, established uh, merchants that are not kind of starting up or struggling because if that's the case usually they don't really have budget to invest in their business right maybe it's hard to say but when you have a conversation and sometimes you click with someone i think it's really important when you work with someone that uh, there's that click that you guys, both of you are on the same page. Uh, everyone understand what he or she is getting out of this. I mean, sometimes you, you find a, like you think it's a good opportunity. There is a, there is budget. Budget is not a problem, but then uh, the click is not there. It's, there's red flags, whether the way they communicate or uh, the way they talk to you and things like that. So I, I think there's a few factors that, uh, for me, at least, indicates uh, quality lead, like budget, brand, the click. Let's call it the click. <laughs> the click, yeah. yeah. It's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. And mm-hmm. I really hope that you're able to find that click with a lot more people. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so now we're kind of going to the end of our interview. I uh, have a couple of minutes before you have to take sure. off. Um, let's head up three rapid fire questions and they don't have to be rapid fire answers as Tim Ferriss okay. says. <laughs> Are you ready? Sure, go ahead. So who is a mentor or online person whose work has changed your life? Uh, none. I don't think there is. Uh, you... Yeah. I don't think there's someone I'd say he or she changed my life. There is there is people I like to to listen to, and I think they are uh, wise when it comes to business and things like that. But uh, I don't think there is a single person that uh, changed my life really. Fair enough. Um, what is the latest thing you rave to your friends about? Could be a restaurant, a book, a gadget, maybe a really cool song. Yeah. Well, two things. <laughs> I tried this sushi blade place and it was fantastic so that was good even though i had to wait 50 minutes to get in but it was <laughs> could you tell us what it was where it was it's in downtown kitchener and i don't remember its mm-hmm. name <laughs> oh my god there you yeah. have it a sushi place in downtown kitchener yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah if you search 
If you Google it, you'll be able to find it downtown, Sushi Best Kitchener or something. <laughs> uh, Got it. <yeah>. Okay. <laughs> and I'll Google that. Maybe put yeah, it in the show notes. Yeah. The other thing I think I watched uh, recently, The Bodyguard on Netflix. It's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the Bodyguard, yeah. It's fantastic. Yep. It's, um, it's not that long. It's like, I think, six episodes or something, but it was uh, it was really good. It was intense. Awesome. Yeah. All right, the bodyguard. Um, the last rapid fire question. Since this is the Creator Maker Life podcast, yeah. what's your favorite part about what you do and the life you lead? Uh, the best thing about what I do. Um, I think I like to, to, to kind of transform things. Like it's uh, when you see something before and after and uh, when usually it should be much better after you get proud of the results and uh, the work you did. So I think that's what I enjoy about my work and also the satisfaction and having happy customers. That's really important to me. Sorry. What was the second part? What's your favorite part about the life you lead? Uh, I think flexibility. Like you don't have, you don't need to, to wake up early to go somewhere to work and then Sometimes there's no recognition or no appreciation, you know. So mm-hmm. it's flexibility and uh, you get to be your own boss. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, but sometimes we are our own worst bosses. Correct. <laughs> that, that's accurate. All right, Kareem. So uh, how can people reach you to work with you or learn more about you and what you do? Well, I think my website uh, gives a pretty good idea about what I do and myself and the work I did. It's uh, bspark.ca. Uh, and also you can find me on LinkedIn if you search for Kareem Tarek. But yeah, I think the, the website, it's the, the easiest to, to get a hold of me. All right. Um, if you guys want any conversion rates to increase on your website, you guys can check out Kareem at uh, bspark.ca. Um, and that's it for this interview. Thank you, Kareem. Hi, friend. Thank you again for checking out this interview with Kareem Tarek. And I hope you liked it. And if you did, make sure to like and subscribe. Oh, wait, this isn't YouTube. If you like this podcast episode, I encourage you to hit subscribe over on iTunes and Google Podcasts and hit follow on Spotify. If you do this, you'll get each episode as soon as it comes out every single week. The show notes for this podcast will be in my blog, roxinkey.com. That is R-O-X-I-N-E-K-E-E.com, or you can just Google Roxine Key. So with a blog, I would actually encourage you to subscribe to the email list in the welcome mat that comes up, because I'm primarily a writer and not really a podcaster, and I was writing and blogging long before I ever thought I'd ever start a podcast. So in the blog, you'll find personal development articles, strategies, productivity experiments, that I run on myself, things like turning my organizational system into a bullet journal, which is actually pretty cool because that's what I use these days. You'll also find my annual and monthly reports on the state of the blog and my life. And I don't know, people just love reading them for some reason. But my favorite part of the blog is my impossible list, which is a bucket list on steroids. Because it's not just about stuff that I want to do before I die, but it's actually stuff that I think are impossible. Maybe I don't even know anyone who's ever done any of these things, but I'm actively working towards them every day. So 
One example of something that I've accomplished is that in my possible list, there's a bullet point there that I want to take a cold shower five out of seven days for at least a year. So I've been doing that since May 2015. It's 2019 now. So I've been doing it for almost four years. And that's something that I'm super proud of. One thing that I, one thing that I want to get to is to be a ski and snowboard bum in Whistler, BC, even though I've never skied or snowboarded in my life. So I'll update you guys on how that works out. And one last thing that I want to achieve on that impossible list, and it's that I want to hit 100,000 subscribers in the blog. And it's not just subscribers of random people who spam me to add their email, but it's just 1,000, 100,000 subscribers who resonate with my content and my message. So if you want to join me on my quest to build a life that's more than just good, but a great life, then go to roxinkey.com, put in your email, and I'll talk to you in the next one. See ya!